My name is Ross Lee. Welcome to Man Marking. We're asking, where's the talking, lads? You only get into, out the game what you put into it, Shelley. Mm-hmm. And I put everything into it I could and still do for the people and for the people that I was playing for and the people that I was manager for. I didn't cheat them out of anything. So I put all my heart and soul to the extent that my family suffered. Do you yeah. regret that at oh, all? Yeah, I regret, oh, I regret it very much, yeah. Somebody said the football's a matter of life and death to you. I said, listen, it's more important than that. Welcome to Man Marking, the podcast that uses football as a vehicle to encourage men to become more comfortable talking about their mental health. Today we're talking to Ross Lee. You are? Um, yeah, my name's Ross Lee. Um, I'm an ambitious young gardener. Um, I started my tropical garden a few years ago and it sort of took off within the first year. Um, and I've been on like the radio and in magazines and yeah, it's done done really well for me. Joining me today is just one of the brave boys. It's just one of my main men. Yeah. It's Ryan Pulford. How are we, mate? Hot. Warm, in it? Warm. I was going to ask. Go on. The restrictions have now been lifted. Yeah. How are you feeling about it? Um, it's hard, isn't it? Because the the restrictions have been lifted, but the news is probably as negative as ever because the cases are rising. So mm-hmm. you feel a bit conflicted on on it. You you want to kind of be you want to celebrate it, really. But yeah. equally, you you're wary that it it's it's like it's like a goal in it with VAR nowadays. You don't want to celebrate <laughs> it, and just in case it gets chalked off, because we could just be back in lockdown in like two weeks. That's my analogy, but I, I think it's a positive thing, isn't it? Um, looking forward to to going back to the football, seeing people more often. I very suppose. very soon to be reality going back to the match, that isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We've always said, haven't we? Strangely, like, oh, we should get a new ground, try a bigger ground, and we never needed it because we never sell out. And now I'm buzzing because we're under the 20,000 threshold. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah. Let the infected hordes in. Yeah, so you tweet that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going like to get my though, season ticket at the end this month. Yeah, I am as well. A payday. Yeah. I'll get mine next to you. Oh, that'll be fun, <laughs> won't it? And uh, yeah, going to go to first pre-season friendly. I'm going to attend next Tuesday with Sunderland. Very nice. Massive Very nice. club. They are a massive club. Yeah. You can watch all of our really young players running around against them. <laughs> in uh, the heat. In the heat. Oh, God. They're going to be... So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I... How I'm, are you feeling about it? Do you know what? It's funny. I think my... I, I'm, I'm conflicted. Mm. Quite conflicted. The VAR analogy is a good one, I think, because I'm quite... I'm definitely expecting us to end up in some kind of lockdown again. Mm. I think Chris Whitty said that we probably won't be done with all this until at least the spring of next year. Um, which is when they envisage the public inquiry to start. So I'm imagining that's the point where we're kind of at least some semblance of, of normality at the moment. We're still, I'm really got a clue what's going on. But I'm like that. I'm like happy that everything's open and like want to go places and yeah. do stuff. But then I'm also like, but I, I, I know everything is still a mess. Do you so remember? like I'm kind of I feel a bit guilty for yeah. wanting to do things because I, I know it isn't like all, proper you, safe yet. I suppose it's a case of everyone just playing a small part and it creates 
a situation where hopefully yeah. it reduces hospitalizations and stuff. But do you remember when it first came around COVID? Mm. And obviously you got different variants and stuff now and the strain develops and changes where they talked about the heat and the sun being like really good in that situation, mm. like killing it and Yeah, yeah. That seems to have gone away. Is that even a thing anymore? Like is or is that more to do with your immune system and vitamin D being good for it? It was meant to be like a viruses struggle in hot temperatures. Possibly. Well, that's, that's why they, it's always worse at the winter. Yeah, maybe. I'm hoping this heat wave is what I'm trying to say because it's set to continue. We could all sweat it out. Well, not, I don't think that, but <laughs> just I'm I certainly know, doing I'm, my I'm, bit I'm, towards I'm, that I'm end. I'm thinking, like, obviously, I think I'll be more nervous as summer's starting to end and the nights are closing in and the rates are still like they are now. Yeah. That a bit like flu, you're going to get most of your deaths then. And yeah. that's what I think. And we're going to get a combination we of the two. We almost need, we? like, because one thing. I know this isn't a political show, but one thing we haven't done at all is planned well. No. So it's one thing opening, but I think you've almost got to think what's your plan B, C, and D. Yeah. In these scenarios, I think I think we're probably right to say this isn't a political show. Mm-hmm. Um, though you know, aren't are, some of the other political shows well, out there? I'd say <laughs> <laughs> we've actually got more there. viewers than GB News, which is good. A slightly smaller budget as well. Well, Piers Morgan on the show today. (laughs) (laughs) Mate, do not do that. Um, Let's move on then to to today's episode. We've done our kind of Sunday morning brunch sort of chat. Um, We've got Ross Lee on the show today. Very, very, very interesting guest for us. Very interesting. Um, Not really football related this week, which we have done in the past quite a few times. Um, But I think we talk about football in terms of that thing of giving someone you know, a vehicle yep. to opening up, a vehicle to an activity to, to, to kind of get the teeth into, which will maybe help with their mental health. And, and Ross has also got that as well in terms yep. of his gardening and, and the outdoor activity and the benefits that come with that, which we'll obviously get to in the interview. Yep. The interview itself came around. We we, we messaged Ross um, back in March, it was actually, of this year. Um, his um, Twitter, f- his, his Twitter profile came up across our feed as so many do and we get quite a lot of nice positive stuff comes across the feed Mm -hmm. don't we we have a lot of people who retweet some some positive stuff and ross did a tweet which was on his 29th birthday back in march which said that he'd been five years sober and uh, and not homeless and then wrote that gardening saved his life and we just thought that was really interesting so we went onto his twitter and had a little look at what he's been doing and, and and the stuff he's doing with his garden and you know had a little bit of a read about him online some of the stuff that's on there and thought it seems like absolutely perfect for us for for the podcast and exactly the type of people that we want to speak to we've you know gone from somewhere really dark to turning it round and and using something positive as they yeah. move out of that and so we reached out he was very happy to to come on the podcast and uh, yeah it was it's really nice to speak to him and it was really cool to get a, a, another different type of perspective on the on the show i think it's you know a unique story and one that we've not had before on here so that was that was interesting for us and obviously we always have a theme for every single episode. Yep. Ryan, would you like to give the listener the theme for this episode? Yeah, um, it was briefly mentioned before. It's uh, My Garden Saved My Life. It which was. Which I think um, won't give too much away, but is not just kind of like a metaphor in this scenario. It's genuinely true. Yeah. So, um, yeah, um, basically one of those that does what it says on the tin in, t- in terms of the title, the the theme of the show. So, yeah, it was an interesting, interesting background for Ross and got to sort of remember how young he is as well when he's mm. going through a lot of the things he's going to talk about you're talking about someone who's still basically a kid yeah at the time and um you wouldn't wish it on anybody and 
fortunately she pulled through that and found gardening as his way out of that so yeah really interesting story yeah absolutely and obviously that is that is our theme and if you the listener pick up on anything that we don't anything that you think would be worth us talking about then you can find us on twitter our, our handle is at marking underscore man and don't forget to use that hashtag where's the talking lads so i'm now going to hand you over to ross and the interview and then we'll see you very briefly on the other side you're listening to man marking <laughs> Yeah, it's been there. Uh, I was doing when I was doing some research and what have you for for the podcast, Ross. And I was I was looking um I was looking on your YouTube channel and, and looking about and stuff. It's it's been it's been incredible. It's gone gone almost overnight, hasn't it? To 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 the way that it's 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 transformed. It's been incredible. Um, yeah. So sort of first of all, then Ross, how, how are you and how's your how's your mental health currently and how have you found the sort of last twelve months or so? Um, I'm not gonna lie, it's been rough. Um, the last couple of years have been quite rough for me. Um, but I'm, I manage it through gardening. So I don't know what I do about my garden because it really does help me through some difficult times. But um, yeah, a couple of years ago, I, I lost, in 2019, I lost my mother-in-law um, to cancer. So that was difficult. And then obviously last year we had lockdown and all that. So that wasn't the best either. Um, but this year seems okay. You can hope, can't we? Yeah, absolutely. Looks like we're at least on um, <laughs> at least a lot on the way to a bit of an upturn in fortunes. Um, and you, you sort of said there, you know, the last few years have have been um, have been a bit rough. And and the interview itself came about when uh, a tweet of yours came across our timeline, um, which which got you know a lot of traction, which was nice to see. And it um, it read, "Today is my 29th birthday. Five years sober and not homeless." Yeah. So, First of all, let's rewind back a few years. Do you okay. remember when you first became aware of of having maybe some problems with your mental health? Um, yeah, it started when I was about fourteen. I'd had I had a really happy childhood up until that point. That's why my mum and dad split up. I know it's not that bad, but for me at that age, it was quite traumatic. It was my first like real life trauma. So it's sort of like you went from being a kid with no worries to suddenly like problems if you know what I mean and I started acting up in school and um doing drugs and drinking a lot and um and then from I got kicked out at 16 because of my behavior and then I ended up in like youth hostels and homeless and obviously then the drinking the drugs sort of like got a lot worse um drugs not so much but more the drink was more my my crutch for when I was feeling low which was like all the time because obviously my circumstances. But um, yeah, it was difficult. It was about 10 years that I was homeless. So it was a rough stage in life. Yeah, absolutely. So when you were a, when you were a teenager, Ross, when you, you know, when you, your parents split up, how did yeah. that kind of, what, what was it that was so traumatic about that experience? Um, I, I'm not. I, I think it was just the fact that my world was gonna change. If you know what I mean, it wasn't the same anymore. And I was dealing with my own stuff anyway, because because I am gay. Um, but I was still in the closet at that time, so I was, I was dealing with my own sort of stuff. Um, 
and then that on top of it and once my dad left I sort of like didn't have any one strict there to sort of you know you think like your dad's gonna be there and like um like teach you how to drive and like teach you like his trade because he's an electrician and stuff like that but it just didn't work out that way I guess yeah absolutely and did you did you as a teenager did, was that something that you found difficult talking about your you know talking about your mental health yeah it was yeah I well you just I just bottled it all up I mean like all of us did I used to have like a large group of mates there's a lot of 30 of us bopping around just getting up to trouble and that but I can't remember once that we've ever sort of like any of us talked about how we was actually feeling, if you know what I mean. We just sort of like put on a brave face. Why do you um, why do you think that was? Um I think you just sort of like want to act hard in front of your friends. You don't really wanna admit that you might not be okay, if you know what I mean? So mm. I don't know, because it was like all boys as well. It wasn't, we, we just sort of like used to banter about our problems. We never used to like take them seriously. Yeah. Oh, do, you, do you think that's like a particularly sort of, a particularly male trait? Yeah, I think it is. I think um, I had like friends who were girls as well and I could I could easily talk to them about stuff. But um, I wouldn't go into too much detail, but it was, it's, I find it much easier even now talking to women than I do men about problems yeah i think that's 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 probably quite common for a lot of for a lot of men um, yeah I, I don't know why that is really it, it's 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 an interesting one isn't it really it's um we had uh, uh dr Catherine mannix on the on the podcast a little while ago and she was talking about how when um when girls are young you know when they're teenagers they they may talk to their friends about their body because it's it's changing quite a lot so it, yeah it's them used to talking about health and interacting with their own you know with their own self and their own well-being whereas because the the, the sort of sort of physical changes that lads go through is 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 not quite as pronounced then it doesn't really have the the same effect conversationally for for guys in the same way i suppose that might be one thing that, that could kind yeah. of contribute to it i think with with boys it's a lot of banter isn't it it's like you might talk about stuff but it's in like a bantery way whereas i think it'll really help a lot of boys if they could just sort of talk to each other on a level and just be like yeah I'm dealing with this I think I might need like some advice by from you all sort of thing but you know what boys are like it's, it's hard to do that sometimes <laughs> yeah absolutely and that's the that's the thing obviously that that you know people are trying to sort of change and trying to trying to address yeah. and, and and look at ways to kind of maybe improve that sort of situation and mm -hmm. you know you I, th I thought your um I thought your tweet was really nice and I thought the reaction to it was really nice as well. And that was why obviously why we wanted to to have you on the podcast, Ross. And and you you obviously mentioned being five years sober and you talked about your sort of crutch being uh, drugs and alcohol and, and that sort of starting when you were a teenager. How did you kind of how I mean I know it's 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 a it's a bit of a, a difficult one to kind of explain, but how did that relationship come about with with those vices? Yeah, I think um it's just part of growing up especially in England I think you just sort of when you're a teenager you sort of get into that sort of you know when you're out of your mates and someone's got like a, a joint or something and then you try it and then like it might go into different stuff and like the culture back when I was young anyway it was just 
you finish school and you just want to go out with your mates and, and get drunk or whatever. And I just never really got out of that. I never really like developed into like going to college or anything like that. I just sort of like left school and then just did nothing really. Did it, did it almost feel a bit like, you know, maybe it's, it, it, uh, things felt a bit worthless maybe and it, it was kind of hard to, to maybe motivate yourself to do oh, yeah. it differently? Yeah, definitely. I didn't, when I left school, I think, well, now you're at school a, a lot longer. You're school to like 18. But at 16, you don't know what you want to do. And I think um, when I le- when I left school, I definitely didn't know what I wanted to do. I just wanted to have a laugh with my mates, and then that was it, really. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, it, it can feel quite um, directionless, I think, when you're when you're a teenager. You know, obviously there are there are sort of to a lesser or greater extent, but I think that's 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 something that I think a lot of people feel don't they and trying to find what they're what they're meant to do or who they are yeah. and that type of thing as well you, you were you were talking there as well Ross about sort of dealing with your sexuality as well was that a bit of, was that quite a big contributor to to what was going on in your life at that time as well yeah well anyone else that is gay will have gone through this and it is like really dark because um, you end up hating yourself for for who you are basically and the thing is, it wasn't like I was, I was, it wasn't like everyone was going to hate me because my my friends were actually really supportive and I was like quite camp. So I think everyone knew anyway that, um, <laughs> that I was gay apart from me, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so no, absolutely. When I finally came out, all my friends were just like, it started clapping. They were like, finally, you know what I mean? So yeah. that was, it was good to. It felt so good to come out because when you do come out, oh, it's just such. I can't explain the feeling, but it's just like a a massive weight. When it's like winning the lottery, like you don't have to worry about money and that anymore. It's just such a a weight lifted off your shoulders. Um, How old were you when you when you came out, Ross? um, About sixteen, seventeen. Oh, really? Yeah. Was that kind of? Did you feel what? What kind of prompted you to do that? Was it just like? like an overwhelming age and then it, it, it could sort of spilled out from there yeah I think it just got too much and then I just literally had no choice I just had to do it um one day my my um one of the girls in my friend group was just like oh you're so gay and I was like yeah I am <laughs> and what <laughs> and she just sort of looked like she'd been smacked with a fish and everyone was like <laughs> sort of like bigging me up for coming back to her but yeah that's so, um it's not not quite the uh not quite the scripted uh coming out story you'd probably imagined it was gonna no. be <laughs> <laughs> and um and you would you you sort of talking there about your um you so you get kicked out by by were you living with your mum at the time were you and, and was that yeah, how I was you went my, i was living with my mum with my mum but because my behaviour issues, I really don't blame her because I would have done the same. She, she had no choice but to kick me out, really. So I was did, being like quite violent. I was how like, did that? Um, how did that make you feel at the time? Um, violent, not towards her, by the way. But I was like smashing stuff in the house and that. Um, I, I just felt I had a lot of anger built up, and I didn't know what to do. Once I got kicked out, it just felt like a holiday. 
felt like there's no one there to tell me what to do or like control me in a way. So I think that's when obviously I started drinking a lot more and getting up to a lot more. And um, what was your sort of, at that point, you know, you're, you're sort of 16 and going on, you know, 16, 17. What was your sort of living situation? Um, youth hostel. I saved that for a while. And then um, obviously your friend's parents can't bring you up. So I had to find somewhere. So um, I went, to, I applied for the a youth hostel and then ended up moving in there. And um, that didn't really work out because it was staffed. And I, I hadn't matured yet, so obviously, when they say you've got to be in at ten o'clock, or we're gonna like lock you out, I just would never go in. So I just you'd have to like sleep on the streets. But yeah, that didn't last for long. I, I left there, and then I moved to Suffolk. I stayed with some family for a while. That didn't work out, and I ended up going to Ipswich to um, a. They're like they're not hotels. They're called hotels, but they're not. There's just like rooms in skanky accommodation, um, with like loads of people that are just like come out of prison and drug addicts. And when you're in that place yourself, it's not good to be surrounded by the same type of people. If you know what I mean. Mm. Um. So yeah, it wasn't good. And then. Like I was on the streets for a bit and then I went to Lowestoft. I went to one in Lowestoft and that was really bad. Like when I got there, the the mattress was like stained. Someone had literally like wet themselves on the mattress when I when I was in there. When I got the room sort of thing. Um and then <laughs> I had like he the thing is like he was an alcoholic, like really, really bad. And he used to come there every night, get into the hotel and sleep outside my door every night. <laughs> it's mental. But see, that, was... that must have been, that whole thing must have just been really scary. It just sounds frightening. It just wasn't, though, because I was so drunk. I was so drunk. And I'm used, to, I've been in so many weird situations. I'm just sort of used to it. That's, um, did you ever look back at, you know, obviously you're sort of over 10 years later. Did you ever look back and just, does it kind of do you feel almost like a different person maybe from from the person that was that was living then yeah i used to get in a lot of fights and stuff as well back then um but i now i'm like really calm i don't really get angry obviously i have bad days but i can just like sit in my garden or do some gardener feel, feel much better and um i think the, the sort of current statistics i think it's about two hundred eighty thousand people who were who were, who were living homeless in, in the UK, which is, I mean, it's an absolutely astounding figure. And, and I think I've noticed it from when I when I went to uni in Manchester, I remember with, with Ryan and I are both from the Wirral, which is the other side of the Mersey from Liverpool. Um, there was the, I remember going to Manchester for the first time. I remember seeing lots of homeless people because it's a much bigger city than, than Liverpool and much bigger than obviously from the Wirral. But I remember mm-hmm. a few years back walking around the city centre and just feeling as though I was seeing more homeless people than I'd ever seen before. And it, and and obviously the statistics bear that out. And one of the sort of one of the sort of things that that, that that comes out of that is a lot of mental health problems and a lot of addictions and what have you. And I suppose then what what sort of what sort of impact did, did being homeless have on your on your mental health specifically? Um. 
it's just rough. You never feel safe and you're always on edge, and especially when you're drunk and or high or whatever. Um, it's just it's a sad life. It really is. You feel like there's no hope whatsoever. You feel like no one gives a shit about you. Sorry. So I, can you swear on here? I don't know. Swear away, mate. Absolutely swear. <laughs> Wait until we get to the quiz at the end. You'll be swearing like a trooper at that point. <laughs> you just feel like no one gives a shit about you. And like, that's how I felt for years. Like the, the council won't help you. They'll just stick you in them skanky little hotel things. Um, You just feel like you've, you've got no one. You're going nowhere. What's the point? Do you know what I mean? There needs to be more help out there for people that are homeless. Yeah, I agree. That was one thing I was going to ask you, actually. What's, what sort of services are there available to, to people who are homeless and suffering with addictions and sort of other mental health issues? Because as it's, it appears from the outside, like there's, there's very little other than lip service paid to it a lot of the time. Well, there's shelters, but it, it, that really saddens me because why can't there be like things in place where why can't the council council just say look i'm homeless and they'll straight away find somewhere for you do you know what i mean mm. i don't understand why it's not like that why if you go i've literally gone to the council and said i'm homeless and then you get put in like really bad accommodation if you know what i mean mm. um it took me years to to find somewhere good it was but it wasn't off the counter it was literally off my own back I had to I was my, well I saw one of my friends in town one day and they said oh I'm staying at this like youth hostel thing and I was like okay well I'll apply because I've applied to about I've been to like loads of them but this one was different um it had like social workers there so they sort of like helped you get your GCSEs and and sort of like look and look for work and sort yourself out to be honest. And was that was that the, the the point where you were able to start getting sober? Yeah. And was that how long ago was that? Um, about six years ago, I think. Yeah, you, maybe you... longer. Do you remember anything specific around that you know that happened? Any specific turning point for you that kind of sort of led you to where you are today, so to speak? No, not really. To be honest, it's all of a bit of a blur. If I'm honest. <laughs> no, absolutely. I, su- I suppose then maybe the, the sort of support that you got from the social workers and and I presume yeah. getting in, in, into work kind of gave you a bit of structure and and mm-hmm. a sort of platform to sort of jump off from. I suppose. Yeah, it was really. I, well, I. When when I was to go left school, I never got any like help from social workers, or there was no one really looking out for me. So, I, um, but once I got into that place, they they re- they were like your family, if you know what I mean. They really did care about the kids there, because um, it was like a, it was only for like teenagers, or like I think up to like twenty three, you were allowed to go there or something. Mm. So, it was like younger and like. They were just mostly just teenagers that had been kicked out and stuff like that. But it was better for me because I was none of them were really like into alcohol or or drugs that much. So it was it was I was um, product of my surroundings really. I had to sort myself out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I think maybe there's the, it, it often gets underplayed how difficult recovering from 
from an addiction can be? How how hard is that process in reality? It is difficult, but you have to you have to really want to change, or you're never gonna. And it's where I think I feel like when you actually have hope um, that things are gonna get better, and you've got like a a plan and and a future, it, it becomes easier to deal with addiction. I mean, it's different for everyone, but that's what it was like for me. Once I had, once I had now of the life, I, I just went went for it. And you've referenced your uh, gardening quite a lot, Ross, and um, we've obviously talked yeah. about that. Where does that fit in the timeline of your recovery? How, how did that come about? So when I um, started renting this house, um, like I, I had a swimming pool in the garden and it when I took it away it killed the grass and I just started like planting loads of plants and stuff in there um and then within 10 months I took all the turf out of the garden and it was all like tropical plants and um pretty much how it is now and um then I um applied for the national garden scheme and opened that same year and I think that's when some of like the local news and stuff contacted them and then they forwarded me to them so um that's how my garden sort of took off but how it's helped me uh I I can't really describe how my garden has literally saved my life it's done so much for me without it I probably would have went back to how I was before like yeah. even sorry yeah. I was no, just going to say, do you feel like it gave you a, a focus? Yeah, it gave me like a new lease of life. It gave me, I can actually help people with my garden. I can help other people now. If you know what I mean, like free charities and like open days and stuff. And even like one of my neighbours was um, suffering from um, like, um, like testicle cancer. And like he came round one day and he said, just, oh, I just feel so much better just being here. And even though it was only for that one day, it made me feel good that I've helped someone, if you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, yeah, so it's good. Gardening is, is great for that. And I don't think it's something that people know about. Is it really that, that nature and well-being can go hand in hand? Um, people obviously tend to your more stereotypical types of treatments for these things which which can work but something as simple as as being in nature and being being amongst in your case your garden it can be a lot more powerful than people probably give it credit for would you like to see see more of that suggested for people yeah well there could be some sort of like program that you know what i'd like to see is maybe like a, a big facility more like a, a big house with rooms in it and like social workers and stuff. And then a, a big bit of land at the back with like raised beds and like garden and, and, and help people that way, if you know what I mean. Like, especially people that are homeless, they could stay there, work the gardens, you know. And I think horticulture is a great industry. It, it can help so many people. And it's um it's it's so easy to get into as well. Absolutely. And there's so many career paths that you can go down. It's not just like gardening, garden maintenance. You can there's so much 
of a broad spectrum that you can you can go down. Yeah, it's it's essentially a science really when you boil it down, isn't it? And yeah, I remember seeing an article with I think it was somewhere in Asia where they covered it at a hospital. Um, in greenery, they incorporated it in the architecture, and um, apparently, like even the use of pain relief and anxiety in the hospital just dropped because people just naturally feel a lot calmer um, oh, rather than being surrounded by concrete, being surrounded by leaves and greenery and, and all those things. Do you think, given the circumstance that you found yourself in, where you were obviously uh, moving from shelter to shelter, in and out of different homes? it almost gave you a sense of pride to have that garden space on, on top of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's why I think my garden is the way it is now. It's because I've gone for so long with nothing. Like, no outdoor space. Like, nowhere to live. Like, nothing to my name. So, when I moved in here, I wanted, I wanted to have it as nice as I possibly could. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and from the back of that, you actually started a YouTube channel, uh, Plant Porn, and that seems yeah. to have, have really taken off. How did how did you how did you start that process, and um, what, sort, what sort of prompted it? Um, I sort of just started it just to document the garden, really, like so I could see, so I could check back on it and see what it used to look like. And then I started. Um, I got a few followers. Um, that want me to do like voiceovers and stuff and it's actually just nice to be able to for myself to be able to re-watch some of my videos and just see like how far I've progressed so it's mainly like a blog really but yeah but to tell you the truth I've, I've just not I've, I've just long bought a house myself and um I've I've I, I'm quite keen on planting plants and things like that, but I don't know anything about it. So my yeah. first source is always YouTube. And yeah, I find yeah. it very useful because, and it's amazing really, like a lot of people look at like a really nice garden and they assume you have to spend thousands, not realising okay. you can actually grow a lot of it yourself from seed or food you've eaten. And mm -hmm. Have you found that um, you've become almost a source of information for, for your close circle and beyond? Yeah. I've I've inspired a few of my neighbours to get in, um to get gardening, so that's good. <laughs> and they're always asking me like, "What's this plant? What's this plant?" And I think, oh, pardon me. Once you start um, like buying plants, and you like look at the labels, and then you Google what they are and what their care requirements are, they sort of just like stick in your head. Um, but yeah, like you said, it doesn't it doesn't cost a fortune because you can start things. By little tiny plants and that but um just buy plants that make you happy that's the main thing doesn't matter what they look like to anyone else as long as they make you smile when you walk outside that's the main thing i think that's great advice i think that's always uh, say something similar on a, a bbc video i watched um which gave a quick overview of your garden if anyone hasn't seen it um i'd advise them to have a look it's, it's absolutely fantastic is that sort of like your number one tip then for, for anyone looking to get started? Just buy what you like. Yeah, check out the garden centres every month. Um, and just do it monthly. Don't you have to like have thousands of pounds to splash on the garden straight away? Just just go to the garden centre every month and see what's in flower or see what makes you go, oh, I like that, and then just get that. And then every month for the next and then the next year, every month you're gonna have something nice when you walk outside. 
fantastic. And I, I think as well, you get when you do grow it from from seed. So I've been, I've had a few avocados from seed. They're not very big, but the pride you get when you go through that process of seeing it happen. While I, I used to feel about quite sad about it, watching it progresses the weeks and months go by, <laughs> it's really nice to see it come alive and, and be like, wow, this was literally going to go in the bin, and now it's a plant. <laughs> Did you actually get any avocados on it though? No, it's the big. I've done a few. The biggest I've got is about five foot, and that's about seven years old. So I don't think I've got <laughs> any chance in the air. Baconhead isn't very tropical where we live, so I don't think <laughs> I've got any chance of having fruit. But um, my mum and dad have got olive trees that they've had for years, and randomly this year, they they. They grew some some olives on them, <laughs> which oh, again, nice. I wouldn't I wouldn't be looking to eat them. Um, but they get they kind of get excited when stuff like that happens, which is nice. So I'm not going to have enthusiasm. Do your parents like gardening then? Well, they do, but they're, they're probably like typical of most people. They don't find enough time to do it. So part yeah. of the garden's got really nice plants, and other parts they've just flagged because it was easier for maintenance. But now that they're sort of getting to retirement age, I think they're thinking about taking it up and I suppose that was kind of a question I wanted to ask yourself when you think of gardening and garden centres people almost um, stereotypically assume you've got to be old uh, or it's something that you do when you retire are you sort of proud that you're changing that outlook and trying to let younger people know that this is something for everybody yeah well somebody said on that commented on one of my videos earlier and said um, because I was in the video and they said oh I just assumed that you were like a 50 year old woman and I was like, oh. <laughs> but yeah I, I don't I think when you think of gardening you just think of like like old ladies like pottering away in the garden or like your granddad like mowing the lawn but it's it's actually such a good thing to get into especially if you like design if you like say if you like your bedroom to be nice you like different things or even like on computers and stuff it's it's so good to because you can get out there and you can play with different textures and um colors and create like little rooms and stuff in your garden it's really fun actually i noticed on one of the videos that i watched that um i think there was like a really lovely butterfly that comes onto the shot have you found as well in the animal side of it so insects and birds and and things like that coming into the garden because you've planted all these plants is that anything you're passionate about yeah, it makes me smile when I see all the bees and stuff in spring, um, like buzzing around all your plants. It really is nice. Um, just don't like the wasps. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's funny, really, isn't it? Because everybody talks around countries doing more to, to sort of whatever the carbon footprint and plant plants, and it's often put on big businesses but if you look at what you're doing and you've now encouraging your neighbours to do it and how it can snowball within a community yeah it can actually be very grassroots these things and mm-hmm. I think it's important that it's actually I mean it's great that you do it for your YouTube channel and you've had some press com- uh, coverage as well just how, how important is that do you think that people don't wait for the council to plant trees that they do it themselves uh, you mean in their gardens and stuff yeah yeah um I think it's really important it can help it can help your mental health it can like improve it gives you pa- um, patience makes you learn patience definitely um but you can meet so many like friends and it, it 
like when you walk down the street and you see a beautiful garden, it makes you smile. I think the councils especially should should plant because most councils just plant like really bog standard cheap looking plants that are just like gonna you know things that aren't the best to look at if you know what I mean like things that stay green all the time um but it'd just be nice to see like in every village like loads of flowers like in spaces that are just not used absolutely yeah, I agree. You, the, the amount of roundabouts you see that are empty in various yeah. areas where it wouldn't take much effort, I agree with you. They, you get the odd bog standard tree if there's a if there's like a new path laid or a new road, but you don't really see anything diverse at all. No, I think I think we should all plant at least plant a cherry tree in our garden. You know, you can get dwarf ones as well. They're so pretty to look at. The cherry blossoms. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it. Oh yeah, cherry. But are they the ones with the the, the strong wind and all the pink leaves? Go. Yeah. <laughs> they are nice for about three weeks. Aren't they? <laughs> but yeah, that's, it, that's my thing. In this country, it's so windy that we always just don't get to enjoy them for long enough. <laughs> no, true. Um. So moving forward, then, what what are your plans for the future? Um, I want to. I'm gonna go to college next year. I'm at college at the moment doing um, studying horticulture. But it's a very basic course. I know. I actually know most of what I'm learning anyway. Yeah. Just through like YouTube and like searching online and stuff. So I'm. I'm looking forward to next year when I can study garden design and I'll learn how to like plan things out properly, like um, and draw them up and stuff because I want to have my own business. Um, designing gardens and doing them for people so that's fantastic that's, that's my plans for the future I actually want to go to Chelsea as well and do a, um, a garden at Chelsea one day I think but it's that, great that you've set plans and targets especially yeah. around your hobby as well yeah I um, we do some work and I work for a trading company we work quite closely building content with the Horticulture Trade Association Mm-hmm. Uh, their website has some some really good good stuff on there uh, that people can find if they're interested and a lot of it is aimed at its members um, and other garden centres but I think most people have a garden centre near them um, nowadays and hopefully once, once lockdown's over um, people can can go there and, and, and as you say just see what's going on there because often, often you'll find people who work there are very passionate themselves and you can just ask the question yeah I think there's been a massive boom in, in like horticulture because of lockdown. I noticed like a, a, a massive spike in my channel on views during March last year. Um, I think people are just, now that they're at home, it's, there's no better time than to be outside and to have a lovely garden. Um, agree. We're literally like scratching the balls to get out of our houses. So if you've got an outdoor space, it's best to make the most of it if you know what I mean and just on that then as you've touched on people have been in lockdown and some people are fortunate enough to have gardens for those yeah. who don't do you have any recommendations or tips on what somebody maybe living in a high-rise or an apartment could do yeah house plants you can always like make your house a massive jungle um I had to tone my house plant addiction right down <laughs> like, literally my bedroom was like 
like I'm not joking you couldn't even see the walls because of all the houseplants I had <laughs> it was crazy but um but yeah it's a healthy addiction it is and, and especially now that people are spending more time at home I mean I work from home the air quality in houses the dust everything isn't great and, and there is no. there is health benefits as well as well as the mental health benefits the physical benefits of being around purifying plants yeah, it's just fun as well watching things grow. Like you can have like a tiny little cut of a plant and then like watch it like climb up your wall. <laughs> <laughs> I always get excited when I see like new leaves on my house plants as well. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. I, I, I'd be the same, but I'm, I need to get better at it because I'm <laughs> uh, firefighting and wondering why they're turning brown and <laughs> why things are bent. So I think I better, uh, better go over to your uh, YouTube channel and find out what I'm doing wrong. But, uh... <laughs> Welcome back. Still got Ryan with me. Ryan, listening back to to that interview, it was one that yeah. one that you and I did a few uh, few months back now. And as I said before, and it, it was a different type of conversation than we've mm-hmm. had before. I don't think off the top of my head that we've had somebody on for an interview before who's been homeless so that was obviously an interesting yeah. angle for us and we spoke before we started recording about you know the the you know the the, the, the difficulty for people who are living rough who are without a home and, and and how hard that must be to not have that base i mean you and i have both very recently bought our own own yeah. homes and even the even just the that step from going from your parents to your own home feels like an enormous thing mm-hmm. never mind going from being homeless I suppose then for you looking out at someone like Ross who what he's been through and, and, and you know, what kind of feelings did it did it kind of bring up for you? Yeah, I um I listened back to it yesterday, I think, just so it was uh, fresh in the mind. And for me it just seemed with with Ross that it was misplaced anger. Mm-hmm. Seemed like he had a lot of and I think he'd admit this himself, a lot of sort of anger that he was aiming in every direction. And it didn't really solve his issues until he turned that energy into his gardening. Mm-hmm. And now he's in a much better place. And it's great to see. And you actually summed up quite well in the opening bit a lot of what I was going to say, which was around that people find different ways and different things that they're comfortable to express themselves. And we haven't had anyone on the show like Ross from, from the homeless point of view and some of the other aspects, but we haven't had anybody who's dealt with it this way either. A lot yeah. of what we've had has been around team sports or being part of a group or going to something like Andy Mann's club and finding people with um, similar situations. Ross is actually quite unique in the sense that he's found solace in something himself in isolation. Mm-hmm. That it's just something he enjoys that turned his life around and I think it's important we highlight people like Ross because it gives other people who may not be comfortable in their group situations or going to see a therapist mm-hmm. or going to the doctor gives them a hope that well, maybe I can find a hobby and it doesn't have to be gardening, but maybe it's painting or writing or drawing. Maybe it's something that you can do by yourself yeah. that you don't have to maybe share with the world if you don't want to or until you're ready. And you never know. it. I, I often find like even if you sat at home some days and it might be sunny outside and you've got no plans and you, you ask, ask a few mates and they're all busy and you get like that irritable feeling like, yeah. ah, just want to do something. And yeah. you can see why, why keeping busy is so important, especially something you're passionate about. So yeah, for me, the sort of, um, the sort of takeaways are when you're young, 
you do you do have that kind of natural aggression to you you are going on the streets you are mixing with different people you are experimenting with drink some in some people's cases drugs you are going to find yourself in those situations and as you start to grow out of that you've got to find something to grow into yeah absolutely and fortunately um ross went through a rougher time than most in that sort of transitional period but he's come out of it and he's i think he's inspiring others which is great and the other thing i want to say on that is sort of around this sort of masculinity issue we always bring up is gardening isn't something people would associate a young person to do no very true oh it's oh, me now and gardens and my granddad gardens or my granddad's got an allotment and Young people can garden, like well, as you say. I've just moved into a house. I bought one with a garden. I quite like it. Yeah, you've, about it on you, the you've, show. you've put a lot of there's, messages there's in our group about the stuff that you've been doing as well, haven't you? There's something relaxing around being around nature. And I know a garden's mm-hmm. and hardly a forest. I'm not saying I live in this big mansion with deers running around. That's hardly the case. It's a standard garden, but stand it, bo- it, just just bog. It is. Can I have the, one bog standard. <laughs> it is still nice to in the evenings if it's still warm. You go out. You have mm. tea outside or. You take your feet off. Uh, you don't take your feet off. You take your shoes off. You go on the grass. You keep your feet on. But those those little things uh, to some people they're not important, but they can be important to others. So it's good to respect that. Yeah, hugely. And I wonder if with 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 Ross and and you know without wanting to to put words in his mouth, but the thing that I kind of gathered from it and and took away was that a lot for a lot of his life particularly when he was young it was very chaotic there was a lot of chaos going on a lot of mm. places where he didn't feel safe or that he was at, you know at risk or he was in harm's way and as you say there will be people who maybe don't flourish or enjoy those group situations or those environments that yeah. are chaotic so sport you know team sports can lead to situations where things can be a little bit manic or can yeah. be a little bit chaotic. Football matches, you know, we only have to look at what happened at Wembley the other week for, mm. for for examples of that. And so, I suppose for Ross, he's found an environment that's that's safe, that's calm, that he's yeah. in control of, that he can do at his own pace. You know, that he can be in in, in charge of, and that must be incredibly comforting. And as yeah. you say, there's lots of that for lots of different people. It, it doesn't matter what it is. And I think it's nice that we have perhaps moving into an environment where men can feel as though they can say I love gardening yeah. or I love drawing or I yeah. love writing or I love you know knitting or you know whatever it might be that is your thing yeah. whatever it is that you need to decompress or to chill out it doesn't matter what that is absolutely and if it's something that provides that calm then all the better and it doesn't I think the beauty of gardening for somebody like Ross is that it it requires a lot of maintenance, so it doesn't yeah. really run out in the same way that you even, can't complete it, can you? Yeah, even if you even if you're just a, an amateur footballer and you play five sides yeah. till you're fifty, at some point you're gonna go, my knees are packed in, or I can't or, quite do or this. Twenty eight, or twenty eight. Obviously, everything you do is dependent on your health. We know that, but gardening is something, as you say, you look after it, you watch it grow, you become proud of it, and. At the end of the day, you're looking at it and you go, "This was this beforehand, and now it's this because of me." Yeah, 100%. and I think um, that that responsibility to look after something is people get the same sort of enjoyment out of a, of a pet, mm-hmm. of an animal like that. That pet is alive and well, and yeah. because of me, and it's the same I think with plants. So, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a really nice point. I mean, I we we got a dog who is over there somewhere um, late last year. And it, it does, like, even just, just sitting down and... and uh, You're everything to them, aren't you? I'm not saying the same with, with plants, by the way. I don't think they would fetch 
But <laughs> I don't know, mate. Have you seen them ones? Have you seen them ones? I'm sure you might know the name. Ross definitely will know the name. The ones where the Venus fly traps. They bite, yeah. Them. Yeah, that, it's that, quite, it's that, quite that. slow though. It's not as quick as your hand motion. Just did there. Well, they, the dog isn't that quick at getting a ball these days. Was these days? About six months old. <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> That's when she knows where the ball's going. Would that not fetch a, a ball? No. Even like a ball shaped like a fly. Maybe in Jumanji they had that like growing ivy, didn't they? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. No. That not real now. See, this is my distinct lack of gardening knowledge. Yeah, this is when we start rambling. <laughs> that's yeah, like, yeah, that's like chaos we're bringing. Yeah, that's true. We should probably avoid that. Um, and that's probably a good good place for us to wrap up. It is, yeah. Yeah, I think there's something to think about with. I mean, I'm not a massive gardener person, and it's really not my thing. Yeah, it involves getting up off the couch and. But even just the thought in your head of thinking about sitting in a nice garden. Yeah. It's nice, isn't it? There's something really pleasant about it. The colours, you know, the, the nice... You know, we've got oh, had some really lo- lovely weather and I think that's what a lot of people have done. Um, some people that do grounding, have you heard of this? No, no, no. So you can do it on a beach and you can do it on grass and a lot of people... There's now a huge group that meet on the Wirral. I think it's in Thurston. It's grown from like a couple of people. There's hundreds turn up now yeah. on a select day. Um, so some people do like meditation stuff, but it's about putting your bare feet on the ground. It's called grounding and your sort of like energy from the ground. What about if people have taken their feet off? <sighs> yeah. For those people, um, there might <laughs> That's be a gonna hand be version, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, look it up, grounding. It's it's just one of these things to relax you. Um, is it kind of like being connected to, to the ground? To the yeah, ground, yeah. But I think there is something a bit more scientific than I've just explained. But yeah, essentially. And there's, there's nice. a famous study um, years ago about these um japanese runners in a forest okay and it was to do with sort of mental well-being and how they ran and how they felt and running in a forest compared to people running on the road um there was a huge difference i can imagine that yeah i used to go running up bidston hill mm. many moons ago and it the bit where i, cause I had to run to bidston hill from my mum's yeah it was only like half a mile but the bit in bidston hill was always much nicer yeah because you were kind of just, even just like, there's just things to keep you kind of, ooh, what's that? Ooh, yeah. What's that, what's that over there? Ooh, well, that's, that's a nice tree. It's it's kind of the same with um, like artificial light. So one of the things you can do, and this is like a good tip for anyone who listens and suffers with insomnia, is especially in the summer, if you're struggling to sleep, put your phone away, turn all your lights off and sit outside as the sun goes down. And it's something to do with your brain that re- realizes the sun goes down, it's time to sleep. Mm. And there's like a calming effect. And I think there's all sorts of little tips like that. Not Nothing that's going to change your night, change your life, but it might just make things a bit more comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, especially in the summer, people do find it difficult to sleep because yeah. of the heat. So yeah. anything that you can do to kind of yeah. nudge that along yeah. is better. Absolutely. I always find... Uh, I've got like really bad eyesight and I always sometimes wake up with really dry eyes. Like my tear ducts get dry, so mm. I, I wipe them in the morning and stuff. But if I've had a heavy night on a laptop or phone before I've gone to bed, they're always worse the next day. Yeah. So sometimes just like sitting outside, putting your phone away, really nice and calm and going to bed, don't check your phone before bed, leave it for the morning and then you wake up, I just feel better. Yeah. Just got too much of a connect. We haven't got enough of a connection with the outdoors anymore. I think is a is a big thing. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's very true. Um, so you went a bit deep there, didn't I? The I end, like bit, it, mate. Bit, bit that's what, I mean, that is what we're here for. Let's get yeah. deep. Yeah. Um, we should definitely wrap up now, though, because okay, I yeah. feel as though I could. Going outside. I feel as though I could continue talking, <laughs> but I'm not sure I've got anything that interesting to say. 
some people are probably listening going, so you never have. You, why don't you just tell us um, about some local charities or where they can find us on the socials? Yeah, that, well, that, 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 look at that. We'll make a broadcaster out of you yet, as they say. Very good. <laughs> um, yeah, so probably the, the best place for us to point you in the direction of, first of all, is Ross's Twitter, um, which he fills regularly almost I think pretty much daily with with pictures of his garden and what he's what he's up to and, and some of the other bits and bobs that he does um and his Twitter handle is at Ross Lee Gardner um so I would you know very much recommend you you get on there and check that out because as we were talking about in terms of as we say just looking at gardens is quite a pleasant thing to do and there's a lot of stuff on Twitter that isn't that pleasant to look at so if you are going to look at something I recommend you scroll through Ross's Twitter feed and have a little look at what he's um what he's getting up to in the back garden. And as as Ryan said, there are some some charities, some local, some some national with regards to homelessness, which is in this country still a huge, 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 huge problem. Um and is is getting worse and worse all the time, unfortunately, for a for a litany of different reasons. And as Ryan said at the top, we aren't a political podcast, so we won't be talking about them right now. Um but there are estimated to be around 300,000 people in this country homeless, which in 2021 for a first world country, I think we can all agree, is is not really acceptable. And there are some amazing places who are doing some amazing work to try and help people in those positions. The first one I'm going to mention, which you'll, you'll all know about, is Shelter. Um, you can head to their website, shelter.org.uk. Uh, and there's a, there's, a, there's a place to be able to donate to Shelter on the, on the first page there. If you're local to us, there's a couple that I'd like to mention. So we're obviously on the Whittle. You've got Whittle Ark, which is a, a fantastic local charity which does an enormous amount for, for the homeless population on the Whittle. Their website is whittleark.org.uk. And then finally is the Liverpool Homeless Football Club, which is also a registered charity who we had on a few weeks back. Yeah. Um, in the Football is for Everyone series, and uh, their uh, sorry their website is liverpoolhomelessfootballclub.com and all three of those places ch- uh, shelter Whittlearch, Liverpool Homeless Football Club, all on Twitter as well. So we'll tag some of them in in the in the in the next coming days as well, so you can have a little look at what they're getting up to and see how you can get involved because there are some incredible people doing incredible things for people in incredibly difficult situations. So I think that's well worth checking out. And if you want to check us out on Twitter. Our handle is at marking underscore man, and don't forget to use the hashtag Where's the Talking Lads? Now, we're going to finish up as we always do with a little mini quiz. For Ross, we obviously gave him a, a mini gardening quiz, couldn't do anything else. So, uh, that'll be where we'll be handing off to next before we finish off. And then we're going to have a little bit of a break, and then we're going to be back on the 4th of August, Wednesday, the 4th of August. We'll be doing some prediction shows because, you know, this is a football podcast. Yeah. Usually, we've gone off topic today. We're in the we're in the preseason, so we've gone gardening. We're on gardening leave, so to yeah. speak. Um, sort of. So we're going to do <laughs> some. <laughs> so um, so we're going to do some um, some predictions episodes for the EFL, which starts on the seventh of August. So we'll be doing uh, League Two on the Wednesday. League One on the Thursday and the Championship on the Friday. The EFL actually starts on the Friday evening. Yep. Big game. Big Bournemouth West Brom. Bournemouth West Brom on the Friday evening. Uh, and then we'll be back the following Friday with a Premier League predictions mm-hmm. episode, which is uh, it's tasty, isn't it? It is. The football it is has just finished and it's going to. Uh, do, you know, do you know what? It's probably not. You know, we can talk about it when we do the predictions, but I'm actually missing the football and I thought 
God, I'm I'm looking forward to not having any football and now. I'm like, when's the football back on again? If it was not a ten, then it was I follow. I probably wouldn't be looking forward to. No. But I think the fact that I can go, I can almost change. I can almost forward. taste it. Yeah, I can and almost it's taste the warm that. weather. Like them first few games of the season. Oh yeah, yeah. Time yeah. it starts tipping into October, probably <laughs> be sick of it again. But yeah, we're watching an I follow then in yeah. in, in our front I've room. been installed as favourites for the predictive after after the Italy prediction. So a lot of pressure on my shoulders. Yeah, I did. I did. I'll I'll talk about that during the uh, during the <laughs> predictions because I do think you haven't been given due praise um, by, oh, by, by me and Parma. And so when we get to the next predictions before we get started, I'd like to lavish you with some praise. Oh, I can't um, wait. Let's do it now. No, let's wait until then. <laughs> let's wait until then. Um, right, let's wrap up. I'm going to hand over to Ross and his gardening quiz. Thanks to you for listening as always. And we will see you next time on Wednesday, the 4th of August. Take care. You've been Ta-da. listening to... Man marking. Bye bye. 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 <laughs> uh, so, question one The Love Apple is the original name for what? No, wait. Peach. It should be peach. It's not. It's tomato. Oh, I was thinking because they're like. They do look like hearts, don't they? To be honest, Danny did come up with the question, so it, it could, could be, be it, it could be Peach. To be fair, <laughs> um, on which continent did broccoli originate? These are well hard. Where would broccoli originate? China. No, it was Europe. I feel tight now, Ross. Yeah. I've been like, these are hard. These are well hard. <laughs> Go on, right. Uh, we'll pile. We'll pile through. Maybe. Maybe they'll get easier. They don't. What is the? <laughs> <laughs> what is another more common name for an alligator pair? What the hell are these questions? Seriously, it makes alli- sense. It makes sense. Don't you see the answer? An alligator pair. Yeah. An alligator pair. Yeah. I, don't, I have no idea. I've never even heard of that. Avocado. Are you joking? <laughs> <laughs> it actually uh, does, makes that, sense. No, doesn't it? It, it does actually make skin. sense because they're like, they've got that skin, haven't <laughs> they? That's great. That I'm just going to call them alligator pears now. Whenever, when we, when cafes <laughs> are open again, and I get, you get like avocado on toast, I'll be like, I'm going to have alligator pear on toast there, please. <laughs> if you're not listening to the podcast, the answer's on there. <laughs> um, so, number four, which garden plant in the 17th century was exchanged as a form of currency? Mate, you're having a laugh at these questions. <laughs> what the hell? Um, what was. Exchange as currency. Yes. Like, a, is it a vegetable? No, a, a garden. It just says garden plant. It's a flower. Um, I think it's a flower. It's a flower, isn't it, right? Yeah. Tulips. Yes. Yeah. Was it? We're away. We are. Have you away. Google, Dan? <laughs> We've got anyone with them in person to make sure. <laughs> Independent adjudicator. Okay. What is the art of cutting shrubs into ornamental shapes called? Um, topiary. Oh, you're on fire now. Here two we go. Two. Cooking on gas. Um, <laughs> which plant? Well, I'm, honestly, I start laughing every time I say these because I feel like the sat- they, you're sitting there going, what is he saying to me? <laughs> <laughs> um, which plant widespread in Britain? if touched, causes a serious chemical reaction which makes skin hypersensitive to ultraviolet light. 
Hogweed. Ah, oh, yeah, see, there we go. I knew you'd get yeah. these, Ross. Come on. <laughs> what is Britain's largest flower show? Chelsea Flower Show. I would have said that, Danish, but H... No, RHS Hampton Court Palace. Ah, uh, it's RHS, yeah. Yeah, apparently it took, it took over it. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. I don't know how they measure which is the largest. Do the one with the most flowers? I guess most avocados. Most yeah. <laughs> most alligator pears in in, in attendance. <laughs> um, and then the final question: You'll be pleased to know, Ross. Uh, I am a woody stemmed plant, usually branched near the base and lacking a single trunk. What am I? A shrub. A shrub. See, they weren't right so answer. bad. Is it right? Yeah, yeah, it was correct. So that's four out of eight. Not too bad, Ross. Not too no. bad. Halfway there. <laughs> you, you stitched me up with them first questions. You did well. <laughs> I thought they were, the, they were the easiest ones, to be honest. I thought they got harder as they went on. But yeah, I don't think you... Would you know the answer to them? Well, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't know any. I don't know anything about gardening, me, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do know the answers because they are. I've got them in front of me. This is probably yeah. cheating, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, Ross, that's that's everything, mate. Um, thanks for for your time this evening. It's been really fun. Thanks for for, for coming on and and, uh, and and answering our ridiculous quiz as well. To be honest with you. <laughs> Yeah, that was fun, that was. <laughs> Lovely. All right, so take care, Ross, and, and thank you very much, mate. Cheers, yeah, Ross. you too, guys. All right. Cheers, Cheers mate. mate. Bye-bye. Okay, see ya.